Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. All right, so I'm gonna need, I know I'm going to get participation from the girls here, but guys, you can be honest. Who's seen the notebook? Raise your hand. You want to? Guys, oh, yeah. You know what? There are some, I guess, one racy scene from what I hear in there. Anyway, so if you've heard, who's heard of the notebook? Raise your hand. All right, yeah. Okay, so it's like this super loving movie. Um, some guys said it's pretty good. Is that what's that hurt? So anyway, um, I've never seen the notebook. Uh, not that I have, you know, not, not for any other reason than I just, just never saw the notebook. But um, I'm going to tell you guys a story, and I want you to know I ain't making this story up. Because uh, every time I tell it, people are like, that sounds just like the notebook. So if you've seen the notebook, I'm not copying off of them. Uh, this is a true story. Um, the whole title of this series, um, not this message, but this series is what I would call relationship goals. So like everybody knows like hashtag squad goals, hashtag relationship goals. So um, I'm going to kind of open up with a quick story about my granny and my papa. Now, I don't know if I ever got to tell you all about them, but um, growing up, I came from a divorced home. And so my mom and dad have a great dad, a great mom. Uh, They did the best they can to co-parent. But I never got to grow up seeing an example or living example of what a mom and a dad living together was like. And so my example was always my granny and papa. And so growing up, I didn't realize they were an awesome example. It wasn't until I got a little older and actually cared about marriage or dating and any of that stuff that I realized, man, I, I had a really good example right in front of me my, my whole life. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. But they were married for 63 years. And my granny, the way that they met was my granny was actually engaged to a jeweler's son in town. So she had this <laughs> phenomenal ring. And um, my pop was about four years older than my granny. And he went to the military. And before he left, he had briefly met her. But not even like formally. He just kind of saw her and heard who she was. And so he thought she was cute, but like he went to the army. He was in Paris for years. And so he comes back from the army, and one day he's washing his his car. He had gotten a brand new Thunderbird. Most of you probably don't know what that is, but it's like an old, nice car, you know. And he was washing it, and uh, he lived in, in like Homa, and this is, I don't know, a long time ago. So they didn't have like all the roads weren't paved. All that was gravel roads. And so he's just finished washing and waxing his car. And he's spraying it off just to kind of get any any dust that might have settled off the car. And my, here comes my granny at the time, or she wasn't my granny at the time, but my granny, coming super fast in some other car, like blowing dust everywhere. And the car was soaking wet. He just washed and waxed it, and she got dust all over this car, <laughs> all over the car. So he looked, and his, his cousin, which was his best friend, was right there, and he said, that's Linda Jackson. That was my granny's maiden name. That's Linda Jackson. I'm going to marry that girl one day. And he had never talked to her, and she was engaged. So a couple of days later, he runs into her, and he asked her on a date. And so, man, she she went. She went on the date. <laughs> so they went on this date, and um, she fell in love with my pop. And my pop was head over heels for her. She went to the guy who had proposed to her and said, listen, I got to give this ring back to you. <laughs> I'm marrying somebody else. Poor fella. Um, funny, I'll end with a funny note about that guy, but 
Um, so they got married and, you know, it was so cool. Like he's told me so many stories. Like one of the things he told me was, you know, Brady, don't ever think that money or good living conditions or all these things make a marriage. Because one of the happiest times that me and your granny ever had together was we just got married. We made 50 bucks a week, both combined income. And we ate potted meat and crackers. We slept on a mattress in a one-bedroom apartment that had no door on the bathroom. They didn't even have a full kitchen. And we would have to cover up with sheets because we couldn't afford a comforter. He said, but that was the happiest time, one of the happiest times of our whole marriage. And so he would tell me stories about them all the time. But about five, six years ago, my granny got Alzheimer's. And so she, uh, she, she got Alzheimer's. It was hard for her to remember a few simple things at first, and it progressively got worse until finally, um, about two years ago, man, she would forget people altogether. And when she would finally forget somebody, like one time I was watching her, babysitting her, and she's sitting there and she's looking at me, and she said, I don't know who you are, but I love you so much. And like I said, oh, I said, Granny, I love you too. She says, you have got to meet my grandson. <laughs> I said, he sounds like a great guy. So, so she was just, you know, she was so loving, but she just was losing her mind, literally. And so um, around that time, my papa, he just started every day. He'd buy her a flower. And um, I'm trying to get it choked up. He'd buy her a flower, and he took her on a date every day until the day she died. He took her to lunch every day. Until the day she died. And he loved, he loved my granny. Matter of fact, some of the leaders came to her funeral. And, um, excuse me, he loved my granny. And um, the day she passed away, she, she couldn't even respond anymore. She couldn't even talk. Um, she barely could blink. And she was, like, not really coherent. And she could only have sponge water. She couldn't even drink out of a, sprawl, a straw. And so my pop got her a flower. He laid it on her and sat by her bedside and had a sponge straw. Like they, that was their last dinner and she passed away. And he, he loved her to, to the day she died. And so um, one of the things that was so um, great to me is, you know, when the Bible talks about, you know, a lot of you might be familiar with this verse, but it's a verse about being married. It says, um, wives, submit to your husbands and obey your husbands. But it says, husbands, um, love your wives and cherish your wives as Christ loved the church. And to, in today's culture, that's like a very controversial thing. It sounds like the man's dominating and the woman doesn't matter and all that stuff. But my pop and my granny, man, they really exemplified what that's all about. And um, an example of that would be my granny. She's an able-bodied. She was an able-bodied woman. She could have done all these things by herself. But my pop loved her so much, he couldn't wait to he couldn't wait to serve her. He couldn't wait to honor her. She never put gas in her car by her. She's never put gas in her car. At one point, my pop had cancer. He was in a funeral. I'm mean, a funeral. <laughs> he wasn't in a funeral. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He was in the hospital, close. And um, they didn't. We didn't know. I was like 16 years old. I just got my license. We didn't know if he was going to make it. So he called me in the room and said, "Hey, if something happens to me, can you keep putting gas in your granny's car? She don't know how to do that." And like, cause she's never had to. My pop never cooked ever. Not cause my granny had to cook. She loved my pop so much she wanted to cook for him. Like she couldn't wait to do that. My granny never carried groceries in the house ever because my pop was not going to let her pick up on heavy stuff. 
and it, they, they just had a very old school. I'm not saying that's the only way to have a marriage, but I'm saying that they had such an old school love that you don't you just don't see a whole lot. She's never opened the door for herself the entire time they were married. And my like my mom and my my aunts and uncles, they'll say that's the truth. And so I just got to see this example of just love that I didn't get always, you know, always get to see. And the older I get, I get to look and say, like, man, that's a relationship goal. Like hashtag relationship goal laying on the beach. That's cool. Obviously, we all want that. Right. But man, to be able to see my pop love my granny to the day she died, man, that's not something you see every day. Um, tonight I want to talk about is, uh, that what I just described to you is rare, but it's the tip of the iceberg. It's just a pretty story. And, um, but there's so much that happens below the surface. You know, a lot of like cool things we see in life, like, uh, successful athletes or successful businessmen or successful whatever. Um, we always look at their highlight reel. We always look at the tip of the iceberg, but we don't see things underneath. And so, um, what I want to talk to you guys about tonight is um, it's, it's called It All Starts When You're Single. It All Starts When You're Single. That's the title of the message. Um, it All Starts When You're Single. Um, I picked a few things. There's so many things I could have talked about about singleness. That's what the message is going to be. But don't, don't tune out. I promise you. The, the few things I'm going to talk about, man, if you'll really just grab a hold of these things, they're going to be what makes the biggest difference in your in your singleness, in your friendships, in your in your marriage, and even when you're when you have kids, so um, I could have talked about uh, things ranging from managing your finances because it's good to learn that now. Don't wait till you get married for that. Goal setting, um, establishing yourself, um, learning to manage relationships, purity. You know, all these things are, are important. Um, and like I said, it could be a really long message, but the two things um, or a few things that I, I spoke, uh, I'm choosing to speak on um, are things that I have seen aren't just theoretical, but people who miss these things, have they can have a harder time in marriage and, and they can have a really successful marriage if they, just, if they do good or bad at these. It just kind of depends. The first thing that I want to talk about when it all starts when you're single is establish good friends not good time friends. And so I know this is supposed to be a romantic series, a relational series. I promise you this ties into romance. This ties into to marriage. Establish good friends, not good time friends. You know, right before I started my relationship with Jesus, I had a lot of good time friends. And we did a lot of crazy stuff together and had a great time. You know what I mean? Quote, unquote. And uh, paid a lot of consequences for those things. But in the moment, it was a great time. But I noticed something really quick is right after I got saved, right after I gave my life to Jesus, some things happened in me that I just changed. That's some, I just had a different desire than I did before. Um, not all the way across the board, but just a few particular things. And what I started to notice was there was a few people, even some like very close people to me, that nothing changed in our relationship. All that changed was I didn't necessarily want to do some of the things I was doing before. I didn't even say anything to them. Just my inaction in those areas made them really dislike me. And what I found out was there were some people who they still did those things, but they were still friends with me. And they understood that I didn't want to do those types of things. And they respected that. And they were still friends with me. And that's kind of where I I first started to notice, man, there's really a difference between good time friends 
and good friends. And I'm going to give you a few examples of good time friends. And I kind of put my own little title on it, but um, one of the good time types of friends are the YOLO friends. The YOLO friends. Is that phrase even used anymore? That's kind of like so three, four years ago. <laughs> All right, I figured that. So the, Yo- the, the YOLO friends. Okay, for those of you who aren't familiar with the phrase, if it's just old, I don't know, maybe it's old, it's you only live once. You only live once. To me, there's not many phrases that are more irresponsible than you only live once. Like, what a way to think. Um, but the YOLO friends are the ones who are only worried, only worried about living in the moment with no regard to the future. Everybody knows people like that. They only worry about today. They're not worried about tomorrow. They're not worried about their life 10 years from now. They're just worried about this moment, YOLO. Um, the thing about those types of people is they typically expect you to be the same way. Because if, if you're thinking about tomorrow and making decisions based on that, chances are to be a little bit different than how they make decisions. And so you're not going to make the same decisions. So eventually, one of you is going to have to cave to the other one. Here's a problem with that type of friendship. You might have heard this before. A lot of coaches say this, but they say actions create habits, and then habits create a lifestyle. So actions, things you do, consistently create a habit, and then those habits create a lifestyle. So when you're around like YOLO type of friends, when you, when you have an you only live once attitude, it kind of becomes you. And I can give you a quick example. Well, yeah, a quick example. Um, I've got a friend of mine who he used to have that, actually he has that tattooed on him, <laughs> YOLO. And uh, it's tattooed on his butt, actually, if you guys are wondering. <laughs> so he did that one night, not a smart decision. And uh, you know what's crazy, guys? Like, you do only live once? Man, I would not want to live the last five years that he's lived. And I'm not hating on him. I'm saying he kind of adopted that mindset. And man, like, he's really paying for that, you know? And I'm so glad that I kind of kind of veered away from that type of lifestyle. Um, the other type of friend is the all about me friend. It's all about me. How many, how many of you know somebody like that? Like, man, it, it's just, it's all about them. Yeah? Raise your hand if you do, because I feel like I'm just surrounded by people who's all about, okay, good. Yeah, I know, I know people like that too. Blake's like, me. So these friends are totally cool with you as long as things are the way that they want them to be. As long as things are the way they want them to be. These, these types of all about me people are selfish they're self-serving, they're controlling, right? Because they can't have it their way unless they're controlling you. And they're jealous. So if you got something going on that they don't, it's all about them. So they're jealous of you. They're going to rob your joy. They don't rejoice with you when you rejoice, like the Bible says, unless it involves their happiness. And they don't mourn with you when you mourn or go through difficult times with you unless it's a misery loves company situation. And what I mean by that is sometimes if somebody's miserable, they're waiting for you to be miserable so that they can say, yes, I have a miserable friend. And they don't want to get out of that season. That's the, it's all about me friends. That's not, that's a good time friend, not a good friend. And then lastly, real quick, are the enabler friends. This is what an enabler friend is. These are the friends, they seem like they're for you, but in reality, they just want you out of their business so they'll stay out of yours. So they're the type of friend who's like, hey, it's no big deal. Do you. Like, just do whatever you want to do. And 
You just stay out of my business though. Let me do whatever I want to do. There's no accountability. There's no like peer-to-peer mentorship. There's really no positive friendship. So these friends will never grow you because they never confront you or challenge you to be better or discontinue harmful or negative things. The good time friends seem fun, but they're, they aren't built for a lifelong relationship. So Proverbs twelve twenty six says this, and these scriptures are very revealing about what I'm talking about. Proverbs says, the godly give good advice to their friends, but the wicked lead them astray. That's the NLT. I like the way the New King James says it. It says, the righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. The way of the wicked leads them astray. Now, every time I've read this verse, if I was ever counseling somebody who's going through a tough time with a friendship or maybe a bad influence, there's a lot of times that somebody will say, that doesn't apply to me, though. And I'll say, yeah, but look at this person's action and kind of look at what you're doing. And they'll say, yeah, but that doesn't really apply to me. Like the Bible addresses that mindset too. And I've been that person myself. Like, no, that doesn't apply to me. Um, Check out what 1 Corinthians says. Do not be misled. So like, hey, look, don't be fooled. Bad company corrupts good character. 100% of the time. Now, look, I'm the same person that I'll stand up here and preach to you that you don't only need to befriend Christians. And the reason I say that is if you're not befriending people who don't know God, who's going to do that, right? You got to be able to to have some evangelistic friendships, but it's about influence. The friends I'm talking about, good friends versus good time friends, I'm talking about friends that are going to sustain you through marriage, through hard times in life, not friends that you're influencing, friends that you have a mutual influence. So I'm not saying don't be evangelistic. I just want to be clear about that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character every single time. Um, You will become who you surround yourself with, and that's either a good thing or a bad thing depending on who you surround yourself with. And a lot of times, you know, especially if you're talking to somebody who either is on the fence about God or is on the fence about some of the things God's word says or a lot of the ways that you reach those types of people is you try to meet them where they are. And so like an atheist is more adapt to listen to something that a science, like a scientist says or something that a psychologist says before they'll listen to the Bible. But some people don't like, some people in the Christian circle, they don't like science because they feel like it discredits God. I'm not intimidated by science because the more it gets it right, the more it starts to prove God. Because what's true is true, and there's only one thing that's true, and God's word is true. And so check this out. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Um, Jim Ron said this, you are a combination of, no, he said, it is a fact. You are a combination of the top five people you surround yourself with. I'll read it again. It's a fact. You are the combination of the top five people you surround yourself with. And in parentheses, says the most. So he's actually pulling from the law known as the law of averages. There's a, there's a psychological law, Jonathan, you might even have heard of this, called the law of averages. And that's what it says. The average of the top five influences in your life, you are actually the sum total. So if you added them all up, divided them by five, they'd have a picture of you. And it's actually a scientific deal. So what I'm saying is in your singleness, Use your time to establish good friends. Now, good friends are the opposite of good time friends. 
Um, now, disclaimer on that, you should still have a good time with your good friends, all right? That sounds like, my gosh, all these other guys sound really fun. My good friends must be super lame. No, not at all. You should have a great time with your good friends. Um, the difference is the depth of the relationship doesn't stop there. How can you tell the difference? Here's a good way to tell. you got a great friendship with these people, long as you're having fun, but you, you'll never get real with them. They'll never let you go there. You'll, you'll never have them positively influence any other area of your life than just a fun time. That's a good sign. Whoop, that's, a, that's a good time, friend, not a good friend. Good friends think about the future, and they look to help you prepare for it, unlike the YOLO friends that we talked about earlier, and they'll end up unprepared. I gave you an example. Let me give you a personal example of a good friend, and I'll read you a scripture to bag this, but um, you guys have always heard me talk about uh, Aaron. Uh, so my, one of my best friends, Aaron. Man, when I first got saved, my, I meant well, but my heart was in the wrong spot, or maybe my heart was in the right spot. I meant well, but I was cutting people up. I'd go to people and just say conviction-based stuff, not even straight-up biblical stuff. And I would just go to people, and I would just tell them, man, you're, you're not saved. You need to get saved, and you're doing this and this. And, this. and I would just shred people up. I, I forfeited all of my influence. I did those things. I said some truth from God's word, and sometimes just my opinion. And I said it before I ever had a relationship established with those people. Well, my one of my best friends, Aaron, man, one day he just pulled me aside and totally caught me off guard and said, dude, I was reading my Bible the other day and I was reading about the Pharisees and you came to my mind. Talk about like, and we've never argued. We never fought at this point. It was on the balcony of my apartment at the edge when I was in college. And, and we got in like a little somewhat heated argument. He left and... Something was wrong with him. Now he's going to hell, you know, <laughs> whatever. Not really. But I was just like not having that. And then I had to realize like, wait a minute. Maybe I am being like that a little bit. And the more time passed, I was really being like that, way more than I thought. Um, another example is, and a lot of you might need to hear this, but I did too. Um, the other day, uh, one of my other best friends, Gavin, he's a good friend, and uh, Lane, we're sitting in, in, uh, in my house we're all sitting on the sofa and we're just watching TV and me and Lane are on our phones or something like that. And so finally Gavin just muted the volume and it was a, I think it was a baseball game um, or yeah. Anyway, I was ESPN, but anyway, he muted the volume and uh, we just didn't notice at first. And finally we looked up and Gavin was just like frustrated and he was like, guys, we've been sitting here and for 10 minutes, y'all have been on your phone. And like, honestly, it's, kind of annoying. He's like, what are we doing? And we're just sitting in the room. We're playing on our phone. We're not even having like real interaction. Like, this is ridiculous. And at first, I wanted to be like, I, this is my house. I, I pay for this. I, like, but I had to fight the urge of wanting to be right. I had to fight the urge of wanting to be prideful because what I, what I know is Gavin's a good friend. And so I fought that urge, and I was like, <sighs> took a few deep breaths, you know, and Gavin was like, you know what, man, like, I just, I don't want you guys to ever be the, the husband or the dad who's totally not attentive to your wife or your kids because you're locked into your phone, and like, I'm glad he told me that because I don't want to be that either, but if I'm not careful, I'll be that, 
I'll be that really quick. And I have more examples, but to save time, Proverbs 27, verse 6 says this. Wounds from a friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. And so like, you know, when Aaron said what he said or when Gavin said what he said, that could have been like a little, a little stab, but I know they're good friends. They're not good time friends. Now we have a good time, but man, look, wounds from a friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Listen, believe me, I've had many enemies kiss me. I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> I always thought about that. Like who's having their enemies like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, So, where the all-about-me friends are only concerned with themselves, good friends empathize with you in every season. Empathize, there's that word. Let me tell you guys, raise your hand if you know what empathy means. A lot of people confuse it with sympathy. It's not the same thing. Sympathy will feel bad for you when you're in a ditch. Empathy will get in the ditch with you to get you out of it. Those are the two differences. But I'm going to give you uh, the definition of empathy, all right? To really desire to... And to understand the feelings of another person, it's to experience a life event with another. Empathy. Good friends empathize. Y'all pay attention to what I'm fixing to say. This is a story, true story. Um, I've said this before. I always wanted to be a husband and a dad growing up my whole life. I always wanted that. So guess what happens? All of my best friends get married before me. So I had a decision to make. had a decision to make. I was the best man in four weddings within six months. And I was about to get engaged to somebody and I I walked away from that getting into ministry. And then the next six months, I was in four weddings and I did four weddings. All in a year, I was in four weddings and I I did the ceremony of four weddings. Here's what I had the decision to make. I could have been a good friend or I could have been a good time friend. I could have been all about me, that type of a person, and been jealous like I said earlier, or I could have been happy because I got to see the behind the scenes of those people and how Aaron, I got to walk him through one of the hardest breakups of his life and then watch him meet his wife. Matter of fact, I took a picture that the moment he met his wife and me, Aaron, and Cole were at a Christian conference in Texas, I took a picture of them meeting and I said, he's going to marry that girl. Six months later, they were engaged. Happened. Austin Muir, many of you might know Austin Muir. He just got married two weekends ago. I did their wedding. Same thing happened when I saw them two meet up at Reds. Later on, we're talking. I was like, dude, y'all are going to get engaged in less than six months and married in less than a year. Bam. That's that's exactly what happened. So if you want to get married, just come and tell me who you like. (laughs) (laughs) Kidding. So point being, there's a difference. You know, being a good friend doesn't always feel good on the front end, but it always feels good on the back end. Let me say that again. Being a good friend isn't always self-serving at first, but it is always a good, you always get a good reward. Romans 12, 15 says, when others are happy, be happy with them. If they're sad, share their sorrow. Proverbs 18, 24 says, there are, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Lastly, on the friend topic, and we'll move on to the second point, where the enabler friend never improves or challenges you. The good friend asks good, thought-provoking questions, and they challenge you to be better and make wiser decisions. I'll give you one more example of that. I just mentioned Austin, Austin and Mallory. There, are, there were a lot of people that were critical because they had met quick. Um, they'd been knowing each other for a while, but they had met quick. Um, the engagement was quicker than some people would have wanted. Um, there was just, I don't know, they had 
people can be critical. And I knew that was coming. And so as his friend, you know what I did? I asked him the hardest questions I could think of. And several times I had to say, dude, listen, you know I love you, man. Like, I'm not doing this to be mean. I'm not doing this to be critical. I'm super stoked. But you know people are going to want to know this because of this. You know people are going to think this because of this. If you can answer that stuff right here with me as your friend, it ain't going to be nothing to answer those things when you're in front of all these other people. It was not always the most feel-good conversation, but him and I are both glad that we had that. And so it was, it was a choice to be a good friend or a good-time friend. So what does all this have to do with being single? Remember these few things. Remember, the friends you surround yourself with today are the ones who are shaping you for tomorrow. The people you surround yourself with today, time flies. You'll be ready to marry somebody before you know it. And the people you spend time with today are the people shaping you for tomorrow. They're also the ones who are molding you to be the husband, wife that you'll be one day and even the parent. And another thing about these friendships, good friends are people you're going to have like counsel. You're going to go to for counsel, whether you realize it's counsel or not. But when you're having marital problems, it's those people who you're going to be like, man, I'm dealing with this with such and such. Or Johnny takes his shoes off and throws them in the middle of the room and he's, he's aggravating me to death. You know, it'll be your girlfriends. It'll be your guy friends that you're talking to to give you wise counsel. You know, recently I, I have this past, I don't know, February has been a wedding month. At first I started, I started off with having four weddings back to back for sure, maybe a fifth to just two. I don't know how that, that's a long story. But anyway, I did two weddings back to back. And as I'm sitting there, I always love to ask at rehearsal, who's this person? Like, who's the groomsman? Who's your best man? How'd you meet that guy? Who's your maid of honor? How'd you meet her? Oh, wow. I love knowing the behind the scenes of that because I always said this. If something ever happened to me, like let's say I get married and I died, heaven forbid. But like, let's say I got married and I died and I had a kid. I would want my kid to go and spend some time with every groomsman that was there. Because the way I look at that is who's going to be standing up there with me are good friends. Those are going to be the people that I know molded me to be who I am. So I want to be able to tell my son or my daughter, if you want to know who your daddy is, go and, go and meet with these people. Here's a picture. You know, look at friendships in a way that says these people are going to prepare me for what's coming, what's coming in life. Um, and And... and to the next point, the best thing you can do is pra- or practice with your friends, rather, is learning how to love. So while you're single, beat this point home, establish good friends, not good time friends. Next, learn and grow in your ability to love. Learn and grow in your ability to love. This might sound like a simple point, but let me unpack it. You might have heard this before, but in the English language, there's one word for love, right? And so I'm sure some of you can recite what I'm fixing to say next. But in the Greek, there are four words for love. Most people know about three, but there's four. And these are the four types. There's agape. Everybody typically knows what that is. That's God's love. There's phileo, which is friendship or brotherly love or sisterly love. There's starge. That's the one that's not really talked about a lot, but that's parental or protective love, right? So when we think about God being a loving father, they're using starge there and agape. It's two two words in one. Um, And then there's eros. Some people say eros. That's the romantic love, right? That's the kissing love and all that, right? So it's important to understand all four types um, and how they affect all of your relationships and how they affect your marriage. And 
The reason is this. Ravi Zacharias, I was just listening to a teaching by him, and he said this. Marriage is the most sacred um, relationship any human can enter. And here's why. Marriage is the only word that pulls all four words for love together. So when you unpack that word marriage in the Greek, it's the only word in the whole Bible that actually agape, phileo, storge, and eros are actually put into. No other word for love. Eros by itself is not that. Storge, phileo, agape, none of, the, none of those except for marriage. It takes all four to make that word. So if you were to take any of those out, you would have to redefine the, the word or redefine the definition of, of marriage. So remember this. How you practice is how you play. How you practice is how you play. So how you love in all four of these areas is exactly how you're going to love in marriage. How you love in the area of friendship is exactly, listen, you need to be friends with your spouse. If you can't be a good friend with your friends, you're not going to be a good friend with your spouse. Like, hey, newsflash, guys, sex does not change friendship. It's another dynamic, but it doesn't change it. You still, you're not going to be doing that all the time. You got you to gotta go eat somewhere, right? You got to wash clothes, right? You got to hang out at your parents' house. If you can't get along anywhere else, it's going to be a terrible marriage. The practice field is with your friends right now. Now, in order to take an inventory of how you're doing or how I'm doing in areas of godly friendship, godly love, and parental love, let's look at the definition of love. Now, I know we've all read this before. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some bullet points after, but... This is what Corinthians says. When somebody in anywhere says, well, how do you define love? This is how you should say it. Hey, look, it's already been defined for me. Love is patient and kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. So it's not arrogant. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. Me, me, me. It's not easily angered, easily offended. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. It always protects it always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. So I'm just going to read the bullet points, and I want you to think, like, how loving am I, all right? And I'm, I'm going to think this with you, all right? How loving are you? Are you patient? Are you kind? Are you not jealous? Are you prideful? Are you not? Are you, are you rude? Are you boastful? Do you brag all the time? Are you selfish? Are you demanding? Are you easily offended or easily annoyed? That's not love. Do you keep records of people when they do something to hurt you? Are you one of those people? So we ask ourselves, am I a loving person? We have to look at it through that lens. So real quick, let's look at each one of these things through the lens of love. Let's look at the, the uh, storge or parental protective or guardian love. Are you patient with your parents or your grandparents or whoever watches over you? Or are you easily annoyed by them? <laughs> now, I know when I say this to a room of teenagers, you're probably like, they aggravate the heck out of me. <laughs> but of course, I'm going to say I'm patient right now because of this message. <laughs> no, but seriously, look, they're in different seasons of life. Right now, your parents annoy you, maybe, right? Most likely. Right now, your parents might annoy you. When you're married, your wife's going to annoy you. Or your husband's going to annoy you. That's just what happens. Not all the time, but sometimes. You know, some of the people that we see a lot in marriage counseling are people they could, they could never get along with their parents, and now they can't get along with their spouse. The problem's maybe not the parents, and the problem's maybe not the spouse. Maybe they never tried when they were with their parents to be patient with their parents 
Are you rude and disrespectful? Last year when I was preaching, I said, hey, guys, watch how a girl treats her dad. Chances are she'll be treating you the same way. Or watch how a, a, a guy treats his mom. Chances are they'll be che- treating you the same way. Now, listen, it's not 99% of the time, but it's pretty, pretty accurate. I mean, I would want somebody to be able to run that test on me is, is what I'm saying. Now, I can't pull a verse or scripture from it, but anyway. Um, are you rude disrespectful? Are you patient and kind to your parents? Maybe you're not all those bad things. Maybe you're patient. Are you selfish with them or do you honor and serve them? You know, I can go on and on, but the bottom line is your parents, grandparents, and other guardians are to prepare you for love in other areas of your life. Phileo, friendship or brotherly love. I'm read y'all a text this morning. I was preparing this and I thought, man, there's some people who, when I talked about good friends or good time friends, oh, man, I just love them. So look, I'll give you, I'll read you one right now. You want to you know what's going on in my text messages? So, um, uh, I try to pray for certain groups of people at least once a week. I pray for you guys once a week. I pray for the leaders once a week. I pray for my friends, my family, the pastors, different people, right? And so this morning, I was just praying for my friends that were on my heart, and just some people that I consider really good friends. And this is just one of them. I said, hey, brother, I was just praying and reflecting this morning. I said, I was praying for different people, and you're one of them. I just want to thank you for being a good friend. I said, tonight I'm preaching. And one of my points is finding good friends, not just good time friends. I said, You've, you, you and I have, been, uh, have had some great times together, but we also ask each other really tough questions that matter, even if they're hard, whether it be relationship stuff, work stuff, or even personality stuff. People can't buy a friendship like we've got, man. I appreciate you and I love you. And so he sent back, man, I love you too, brother. You're a once-in-a-lifetime friend. I appreciate everything you've done for me and his person. Um, and he said a couple other things that I want to share. That's his part. But anyway, I did that to just to just to let those good friends know, like, man, I, I, I appreciate you. And this is what I appreciate about you. So, you know, just now, I'd like to challenge you guys to do the same thing at some point. Think about the good friends in your life and, sh- and tell them, hey, I appreciate you. And let, let them know why you appreciate them. Um, that's another thing. When you affirm your friends, you're going to affirm your spouse. Like how you live single makes a huge difference in all the rest of the stuff. But talking about friendship, phileo love, um, are you patient and kind with your friends? Do you keep a record of wrongs when they wrong you? Are you self-seeking? Are you only wanting their life to fit yours and your plans? Or are you a compliment to their life? Um, another one we'll talk about in a little bit more later, but is agape love, godly love. Um, one of the things that convicted me was, am I patient with God? Can I take the lens of love and apply it in my relationship to God? Am I patient with God or do I demand my own way, or my own timing? Or do I give up and lose hope in him whenever things don't go my way? Can I even apply the love chapter to God? And it was that one was the hardest one to answer. <laughs> I seems like I can love on my my parents and my friends better than I love the Lord. Man, I, and so I want to challenge you guys, reflect on that. The last thing, really quick, is the one you've all been waiting for, eros love. Ready? All right, this is the romantic love, right? This is the love that the Bible talks about between a husband and a wife. That's the only place this, this is talked about is, is between a husband and a wife in God's context. And God designed this love with a level of intimacy 
that is meant to be experienced by two people in a covenant marriage. In a covenant marriage. It involves a deeper level of trust and vulnerability than phileo, the friendship love, or stargate, the parental love. This is the only context that God permits the deepest expression of love between two humans, and that's sex. It's the only place. I want to read this real quick to you. Genesis chapter 3 says, The Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a suitable helper for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall asleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of his ribs and closed him up. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the side of the man, and he brought her to him. And the man said, oh my goodness, no. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Check this part out. For this reason, simple, simple scripture. For this reason, man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Guess what that means? That's sex. They will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So the man and his wife, both neck, felt no shame. Chris Vallotton said this. I said this last year. Awesome quote. Religion, like a religious spirit or religious people, religion shames sex. The world perverts sex, but God created it and he celebrates it. So where religion will shame it, make you feel dirty or shameful for talking about it, like that's when I say the word sex, everybody's like, oh my God, you said it again. Like that's, that's a religious spirit or um, and it happens to everybody, but the world perverts sex. So when we look at all these other ways that sex is talked about in the world, hey, that's fine. You can have whatever way, but the Bible talks about one way, one way. Same for marriage. I know this is controversial nowadays, but hey, listen up, guys. Like marriage is four words in the Greek, and it's agape. So God's got to be taken into account on this. It's brotherly love. It's eros in the context that he talks about it, and it's stargate, protective love. So you'd have to redefine it, but God's word can't be redefined. So whenever eros love, romantic love, is taken out of God's context of marriage, it complicates a relationship rather than complements it. I'm going to say that again. Whenever eros or romantic love or sex is taken out of God's context of marriage, it complicates the relationship rather than complements it. Hey, I promise you that's true because I've done it. <laughs> like I wasn't always saved. One of the biggest regrets I ever had was not waiting until I was married to do that. But if you're in here and you think like, man, you know what? I, I messed up. I didn't, I didn't do that either. Hey, you know what else God's not about? Continued shame. Because that's one of the other things that happened in my life is, man, when I, when I realized, God, I, I, want, I want to repent from that. I don't want to do that anymore. And I did. Man, he restored, my, he restored my soul in that area. He restored my emotions. You know, where physically, yeah, I've done that. Man, spiritually, it's like I've never done that. And the only way I could explain it is just what I just said. It's the best thing I can do for you. But the power isn't in my explanation. The power is in my experience. So if you're in here and you think, man, I, I've blown it in that area. No, you haven't. All you have to do is just repent to God. And the Bible says that if you will repent to him, he is faithful to forgive you. And then it says that if you confess your sins to another, you will be healed. That healing isn't just a physical healing. That healing's emotional healing. Um, any type of healing you can think of spiritually, he'll heal you. And so I want to give that disclaimer because from this point on is what I want you guys to take this message. I don't want you to reflect 
on this message and shame yourself, what I want you to do is reflect on this message moving forward, make some good decisions. Make some good decisions. So the health of your romantic love has everything to do with the health of the other three types of love that I talked about. That's the stuff you can work on now. Now, let's stand, and as we close, um, I want to recap real quick. The whole focus of tonight's message is simple. It is. It's a simple message. What can you do now in your singleness that will benefit you later when you're married and now when you're single? And the answer is you can establish good friends instead of good time friends. You can learn and grow by loving your parents and your friends. And the most important thing you can do is the last point, and that's establish a relationship with God. It's establish a relationship with God. Nothing you can ever do. I think we need to hear this all the time. Nothing you can ever do can make God love you any more or any less. It, God is not, his love is not dependent on your performance. If you mess up today, he doesn't love you any less. You don't have to be really good for two months for God to really love you. He already loves you. Your performance has no effect on his love. Has no effect on his love. Romans 5, 8 said, but God demonstrated, he showed us how much he loved us by doing this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus knew every sin we'd ever commit and he still died for everyone. And John three sixteen, talking about God's love says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him, they'll not die. They'll have everlasting life. They're gonna live forever. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So there's no love that compares to agape love. Matter of fact, all those other loves I talked about, when I do a wedding, I talk about husbands, love your wives, wives, love your husbands. And I I preach that verse. The truth is, if you look at that definition of love like we talked about earlier, it's impossible to do all those things apart from the grace of God. It's not until you're forgiven by God that you can really understand what forgiveness is, that you can really forgive a friend or forgive a spouse. Or it's not until you experience agape love that you can love the way he's asking you to love. And so just right now, I want you to do me a favor. I'm not going to do a big altar call. I want everybody in this room. I want you to close your eyes for me. I want you to get to a position that you reflect on a scale of one to ten, one being terrible, ten being great. Where's your relationship at with God right now? Just ask yourself that. Reflect for a second. You might say, man, I honestly, I don't know. Like, I hear about the everlasting life thing you just said. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. Like, so I don't know for sure, I think, but I don't know for sure. If that's you, when I'm saying that, if you're like, I'm not sure. God's will is that you would know for sure. And all you got to do is so simple. is just say, God, I want to be sure. I want you to come into my heart. And you, you, I'll lead you in a prayer if that's you. I'm not going to ask you to come up front. I'm going to ask you just, everybody's going to pray together. If that's you, just raise your hand up real high. Nobody's looking around. If that's you, raise your hand up real high. And we're all just going to pray together. We're all just going to pray. I see, I see one hand. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Anybody else, if you said, man, I'm not positive, and I, look, I don't want to scare you into getting saved. The truth is, if you don't have a relationship with God, you don't go to heaven. But the good news is that 
there's nothing more important to him than having a relationship with you. So just a few more moments. If you're not sure, hey, look, no shame, man. God said, I love you. I died for you. I, this, is, this, is, this is what it's all about. So if that's you and you're saying, man, I'm not positive and I want a relationship with God, just go ahead and slip your hand up. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I see your hands. I see your hands. Well, I'm just going to lead everybody in this prayer, and I want everybody to pray this prayer together. Just pray it with me. Lord Jesus, I need you. I want to spend eternity with you. And I want to live my life with you now. Would you come into my heart and forgive me of all of my sins? I haven't always lived for you, but I want to start today. I give you lordship of my life. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now for the rest of us, if uh, when you were reflecting, you would say, man, I'm not on the upside of five. I don't think I'm having that great of a relationship with God. One more time of reflection, I want you to just ask the Lord, can you put your finger on what that thing is? Can you just show me? Just show me why. God will show you. He's so faithful. He wants nothing more than to have an intimate relationship with you. And he'll show you. He'll, he'll say, this is what's up. This is what's going on. And then he'll, he'll give you the grace to handle it. So Lord, I'm just going to pray for you guys. Lord Jesus, I pray for everybody who just gave their life to you. Lord, I know what that's like. Many people in here know what that's like. Lord, I pray that you would do for them just like you've done for me and those in here. Let them hear your voice louder than they ever have. God, open their eyes to see you in everyday life. God, open their ears to hear you in everyday life. Lord, reveal yourself more to them. And God, make that relationship between you and them exactly what you died for it to be. Now, God, everybody else in this room, Lord, I know that we can so easily have a subpar relationship with you. Things can creep in so quick. God, we ask for a fresh, just a refreshing in our relationship. Any hindrance, anything that you're showing people right now, give them the grace to get that stuff out of their life so that they can have a fresh, clean relationship with you. Now, God, I pray over what we talked about tonight. Let everybody be good friends and not just good time friends. God, let everybody's relationship go beyond a good time and to so much more. God, for love, let people let people love all four ways that we talked about. One of them, wait until later, of course, Lord, but three out of the four for now. Help us grow into better friends, better sons, better daughters. God, we need your help to do it. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, just come up front. I'll have a, I'll have a couple leaders up here to pray with you. Um, if not, you're dismissed. I love you guys, and we will see you Sunday or next week. Love y'all. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on Facebook or Instagram.